The fickle nature of the music industry stings deep. It's an elaborate cat and mouse game played out album to album, show to show, song to song. It always feels like walking on a tightrope, but never being able to reach the other side to safety. One day you can be at the top of your game with hordes of people loving your every move, and then, in what feels like overnight, it can vanish. I've been on both sides of the stage barrier, so to speak. I felt the sting of rejection from waning interest, and I've also been part of the audience that lost interest. May sound scary, kind of pitiful, but the reality is it all happens so fast, and no matter the outcome, if you're in a band, chances are you've already jumped back on the horse ready to ride again, and if you're part of the audience, you've already moved on to the next band. It's in these moments that I think of the parable of the prodigal son a well-known tale about a lost son who returns home after squandering everything, but is still received with open arms by his father. It's meant to teach forgiveness and reconciliation. We've been around for 23 years, and I'm constantly seeing people on social media who used to be into us for a certain album or a certain song, and rediscovered us years later through a new album or an old video that reminded them of us. As much as I want to know what made them wander off in the first place, I'm just glad they're still listening to us. I can also understand where they're coming from, because I too have done that with countless bands over the years. Got into a band for an album or two, and for whatever reason, most of the time, having nothing to do with the band at all, moved on to another band and sort of forgot to keep abreast of whichever band I was into previously. And this episode is all about that. It's about rediscovering a band from my past and realizing they had held on to their game this whole time. It was me. I needed to find my way back to them. I mentioned the prodigal son story because it so aptly pertains to my history with Striper. Striper, for those unaware, are a heavy rock band from Orange County that rose to prominence in the mid to late 80s through albums like Soldiers Under Command and To Hell with the Devil. They were very proud of their Christian roots and put their beliefs front and center in their lyrics and presentation. They in turn became the most successful heavy Christian band in history, going gold multiple times and achieving platinum status with 1986's To Hell with the Devil. Now, I'll state right away, I was never drawn to Striper because they were Christians. I love their music, and being a natural-born contrarian, I must admit I loved watching how just their existence, let alone their success, would piss off metalheads. And I mean really piss them off. Listening to rockers go off on how much they hated Striper always amused me. In fact, I have used Striper in the past as somewhat of a litmus test. A lot of the bluster against the band was because of everything but the music. And wasn't that what brought us all together? The music, right? It sometimes showed me that there were some of us here for the music, and some of us here just to look cool on the sidelines. Striper showing up to the party leading with their Christian beliefs automatically situated them as outsiders in a subculture made up of outsiders. And that this obvious glaring fact went over everyone's head makes me laugh out loud harder than watching Beavis and Butthead. I got into Striper on the To Hell With The Devil album, and I still love that album and Soldiers Under Command, but I gradually strayed for no other reason than... I was getting into heavier music, getting into punk rock, and anything else I was discovering. But throughout the years, whenever their name would come up, I'd always have a soft spot for the band and defend their honor if anyone would say anything negative about them. Michael Sweet is on this podcast episode because, I have to be honest, I didn't know they were still active and productive as ever even more so now than before. And credit must be given to Ace Von Johnson of Faster Pussycat and L.A. Guns. Following an Ace tweet to Michael Sweet, I was surprised to find Michael on Twitter and immediately started following him. Then shortly after, Michael tweeted that he would put the last three Striper albums up against any hard and heavy album out today. So I took him up on his challenge and gave the last three Striper albums a listen. Their latest... 2018's Goddamn Evil, then 2015's Fallen, and then 
2013's No More Hell to Pay. I couldn't believe how great these albums were upon first listen. I couldn't believe that the songs were as good, if not better, than the Heyday Striper albums. Michael was right. The last three Striper albums should be required listening for anyone who identifies as a rocker. And like the prodigal son, I have returned to the Striper fold more adamant than ever before. Striper rock. I have to admit, having Michael Sweet on this episode is a big deal to me. I didn't realize I didn't realize how big a deal until it was minutes before we were to talk and how positively nervous I got. And I never get nervous before talking to guests. And then when this chat was over, I was physically drained because I was so nervous through it all, but so thrilled to be talking to Michael. Maybe it's because I know he's done more than just Striper stuff. He was the lead singer of Boston for four years between 2007 and 2011. His nine solo albums with number 10 just about to be released put him heads above any lead singer of Striper's contemporaries. And his fantastic Sweet and Lynch albums with guitarist George Lynch, one of my favorite guitar players, to me, put Michael Sweet in a league few can touch and make him the consummate performer, musician, and singer. Listening to Michael Sweet sing today, I am struck at how great his voice has always been. His range and his timbre are so signature, so velvety smooth, it's like listening to champagne being poured into a glass. I might sound like I'm fanboying throughout this whole episode, but give me a break, man. It's Michael Sweet from Striper who's on this episode of the Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best around. The planet kid is Danko's crew of Dillow for free. I'm so glad I like to sometimes. Get me in from fuck down. Stop playing hang down. It's the greatest podcast from coast to coast. Do take a listen, would you now? To what Danko Jones would do. It's the middle of the night, and you better do it fast. Turn the speakers up loud for Danko's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready because the Danko Jones podcast starts. Now. Michael, uh, it's uh, great to talk to you, man. Uh, wow, I can't believe uh, this is this is happening. I'm I'm very <laughs> pleased to talk to you today. Well, hey, man. Likewise, and I apologize in advance. Uh, I've got a little bit of a dry cough today, and if I if I cough uncontrollably, I'll do my best to kind of uh, you know not cough into the phone. Okay. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I understand. Um, as a singer, I totally get it, man. Yeah, man. But hey. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. Oh, um, likewise. Um, I, I I messaged you uh, previous to just kind of break the ice and uh, forgot to mention it. I, I forgot to lead with it, but we're actually on a track together. Um, it was, I, I know. Yeah, awesome. That Bowie. Really cool, man. Yeah. I was, and that's kind of what brought me slowly back to you. Um, to be honest with you, after uh, In God We Trust... I kind of lost uh, where Striper was, and I, you know, I moved on to other mu- different kinds of musics, et cetera, sure. et cetera. And then it was seeing your name on that track, and then more recently this year, you going back and forth with Ace Von Johnson from L.A. Guns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ace is a great guy, man. He, he's a great guy. And uh, uh, I noticed that, oh, wow, Michael Sweet's on Twitter. I mean, that's great. <laughs> so I uh, I started following you. And 
the reason why I thought it would be great just to get you on the podcast, my podcast, was a tweet that you made. And it was something like, hey, you know, if you if anyone was to go back and listen to, I think it was the last three Striper albums, you know, yep. like I'll put you put that up against anything out there current today. And I, you know, I checked myself and I said, you know what? I haven't. So let me do that. And I was pleasantly blown away. Well, good, man. I'm happy to hear it. We, we really, um, and I'm not saying other bands don't do this. Uh, yeah, all bands work really hard, but we work extra special hard uh, trying to uh, give the fans what they want and give ourselves what we want, you know, without compromising too much and letting ourselves down or letting the fans down. So we wanted to really get back to our roots on the first uh, of those three albums you're referring to, which I'm assuming is probably No More Hell to Pay. Yes. And then Fallen was after that. And yeah. then our, our most recent Goddamn Evil. And the whole point of those albums was to try to, you know, uh, merge the past with the present, you know, and not alienate ourselves or our fan base uh, and go in a totally different direction. I think we've really figured out the formula for doing that, you know, because you hear a lot of the classic stuff on our new albums. You hear a little bit of a modern twist to it, uh, but we're not a modern rock band, you know, so we don't we don't want to try to be. Uh, but we want to sound present and sound 2019. So we we've been working hard. And I think these albums stand up against the past albums uh, right on the same level, if not maybe even surpasses them. Uh, I would say surpasses only because. Hey, Michael, are, are you are you okay? Like we can we can do this another time. Oh no, brother, I'm good, man. I'm good. I just might have to cough every now and then. I just don't want you to hear that and, and be annoyed by it. But no, I'm oh, good. God, absolutely, no, absolutely not. No. Um. Well, I I I think I would say honestly, as as someone who has kind of cleaned my palette of my striper palette and started yeah. anew. Um, the first track that I heard was I went, I went actually to uh, no more hell to pay. So I, I heard take it to the cross and I heard the death metal growling that you incorporated in that song. And it wasn't anything that was like, like just plopped on there. It worked with the song and the striper sound that I knew. So I would say surpasses the old albums, even though albums like soldiers and to hell are records I grew up with. So I can't, you know, not acknowledge the history I've had with those albums. Of course, of course. And that's the thing about the old albums. There's always the history that goes along with that. A very special time in someone's life, memories, Things that they're, uh, you know, those emotional strings that are attached to that, mm -hmm. along with the music itself. So, those are very special albums. I mean, Soldiers Under Command and Tell to Devil, those are two of my favorite classic Striper albums. Maybe my, probably my favorite classic. But I always separate the two from classic to, to present. And, um, you know, it's never to take away from the past ever, or to disrespect that. But we're really just trying hard to you know stay relevant and stay true to ourselves and what we're what we're here to do and how we do it uh take it to the cross was a song that you know people asked us for years why don't you do something a little more thrashy and that was our our answer to that i mean it, we're, it you hit it we're out not a thrash punk. band no we're not a thrash band we're never gonna be we're not gonna try to sound like slayer or megadeth or anything like that but but that was our way of saying, okay, hey, we'll, we'll do something a little edgier. And it was funny because, ironically, um, if you look at the comments, you have people that hate it or people that love it. There's no middle ground, which is interesting. I love it. I'm one of those people that loved it. <laughs> I, I thought it was like, it's, uh, I understand what it is. It's kind of like throwing down the, uh, the gauntlet, so to speak, and, and yeah. showing that you guys can do it if if you know the moment arises absolutely sure um and you know most people most bands kind of as they age they mellow with age right you know they might right. get a little mellower a little less edgy and that's fine not a problem with that but we seem to have gotten heavier with age which is interesting well that's why i say these uh later albums surpass 
you know, the, the, the first few only because it is for me, I, I tend to go towards heavier music. It's heavier. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And don't mind me, man. I'm not dying or anything. I'm just, I've got this, I got this weird dry cough. I'll be fine. I'll, I'll get some good rest tonight. And, uh, you know, I don't want you to think I'm dying or anything. Oh, no, absolutely <laughs> not. As a, as a singer myself, um, I understand, I always say nobody understands the singer Mm-mm. in a rock band. We th- you, they think we're divas. <laughs> well, you know what it is? When you're a drummer or guitar player and you're sick, you could still play. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to feel good. But you could still function and play the parts. When you're a singer and you're sick, you can't sing. Yeah. And and it's that emotional tie that goes to that. And at least I have a problem overcoming that live. If I can't sing live, it's real hard to get through the set, you know, more so mentally. So. Yeah, I found that a lot of the, the singing problems are a mental game. You have to trick your mind and just, <laughs> and just say, hey, let's go. Yeah, I... <laughs> I get no, it, man. No question about it. No question about it. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally understand. I mean, even talking about it with you, I'm, I'm a little nervous just because, yeah, you're on tour, obviously. We're on tour. We're like nine shows in. Uh, everything's been going good. You know, I've, what happened was we started rehearsals and did four in a row and two and then two shows in a row, so six in a row, and I sang hard. Uh, and then I've been trying to come back from that and then I wound up getting this dry cough and just getting less sleep and whatnot. But man, you know what? The tour is going great. Um, we're having a blast and you're seeing all the people come out night after night. It's just such a blessing. And and we're just, we're very blessed to be doing it, man. We, we smile every night and we're like, wow, incredible. And this is a history tour (laughs) that you guys have built it like, um, back catalog and covers. Yeah, we're doing, you know, probably 12, 13 Striper songs and maybe like uh, eight covers. Uh, It's like a 20-song set list. We cut a few songs out over the past few shows uh, for a number of reasons. But um, we wanted to get some covers in there just to kind of have some fun, you know, and show people our take on those and some of those great songs and great bands that influenced and inspired us to be Striper and, and, you know, be sitting here talking to you. So. We just thought it'd be fun, and, and we're having a blast doing it, man. But there's a lot of classic, uh, hopefully most, if not all, the Striper songs that people want to hear within the set. Now, are these cover songs different than the covering songs? We're doing a few songs from that. Okay. And then we're also doing some songs that we didn't cover on that album. Uh, from different um, bands? Yeah, like we're doing uh, Crazy Train and doing <laughs> Panama. You know, <laughs> And it's just... These are, again, these are the bands that we used to, in our garage, in our studio, we used to listen to uh, while we would be on break. And, you know, we'd learn and play and, you know, cover those songs years ago and listen to it like everybody else. So big influence of ours, a lot of this stuff. And we're having a blast doing it. Can I just say that the covering's great. I mean, the, the, the uh, covers are, are nailed perfectly. Um, but I will have to say, that blackout, you could <laughs> you could really like if if Klaus Mine can't make it in the studio, you could jump in there and <laughs> nobody will know the difference, man. It was like I had to double back on it, and I, it's incredible version of it. It's it, oh, your, your wow. vocals Thanks, are brother. Klaus. You are like Klaus, like number two, Mach two. I wow, mean, it's amazing. Well. Klaus is one of my favorite vocalists. I, and I don't think I sound anything like him, but I had fun doing that song. And oddly enough, when I when I had to sing that song, uh, that one and the Trooper, it oh, was, was really one. really tough to overcome because those guys' voices are so signature. Yeah, that's why. Did you did you bring in a German accent to how you approach those vocals? I didn't. I didn't. I just. I, I wound up just going in and, and trying to sound more like them and then realizing, you know, I'm never going to sound like them. And with the Blackout song, I just did my own thing and doubled it. And once I doubled it, it really took on uh, that that sound, you know, uh, of the original. And that's one of the ones vocally that really just turned out really well. So, 
I don't know. Yeah. It was a roll of the dice, man. Uh, I love the I love the Scorps. I'm actually in their documentary. Um, Are you really? Yeah, yeah. There's a scene with me in it, um, and it was only released in Europe. And wow. I, I I knew there was cameras around. I, it's a me meeting with Rudolf Schenker and chatting him up. Um, and uh, I never I didn't know it made the final cut. So wow, there's a there's a little thing with me and the Scorps forever now. So that's awesome, uh, man. Yeah, um, we're we're huge fans, huge yeah. fans. We used to. <laughs> Listen, the Scorps and UFO like daily. Yes, I mean, and there's all, lights non-stop. out. You guys yeah. did lights out. Yeah, we did light. Yeah, we we love UFO. We love the Scorps, and uh, just a huge influence on us, uh, big time, big time. I mean, you can really hear it. That's another thing that I want to say is like <laughs> going back to these last three Striper albums because I kind of take them as a like a box set almost because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm late to the party on this and, and I have to admit it because uh, I kind of lost touch and I didn't do it deliberately. It was just a natural thing. And, and uh, now I'm coming back to the fold and I'm totally, totally convinced. But that's the thing about these last three albums are solid, heavy metal albums. Like the, the classic uh, definition of what heavy metal should sound like. They really are. I mean, it's definitely got that throw, a little bit of that throwback. So it's a little more old school metal, but it's got little modern flavors. And uh, you know what, man? We just we love doing the heavy thing. Uh, some people complain and say they want to hear more ballads and more calling on yous and things like that. But man, we're loving where we're at right now. Uh, we're gonna do something different on the next album. We're not gonna completely turn things around, but we're gonna branch out and try some different things. Uh, with the sound, with the look, and and really kind of when we when it comes out, when we come out, people are going to be like, huh? So it's going to be cool. We're excited about it. Um, but man, we're still going. We still love it. We love what we do. We're excited about what we do, and I think that shows in the music that we record. Now, um, you, I've been following your Twitter, and you've been tweeting about ten your upcoming yes. solo album. And that makes me ask you, what when you were writing songs, what makes the Michael Sweet solo album and what makes the Striper album? You know what, man? I approach each album separately. So when it's time to write a Striper album, I sit down two or three weeks before we go in and, and write. And it's a song a day process. And 12 days, there's 12 songs, 11 days, 11 songs. And I'll fine-tune them for a couple of days. And then we go and start learning them and, and tracking uh, same thing with the Michael Sweet album. I just start writing for that album. And whatever comes out, if, if it's good, there's some songs I might, after a few days, put on a shelf and say, yeah, I'm not feeling this one as much. But for the most part, whatever's coming out is what's is what's being recorded. I'm not one of those guys, like a lot of bands say, oh, you know, we've got 40 songs and we're picking, picking 10 songs. And, uh, you know, I've done that. I've gone down that road before in the past and i kind of view it differently these days i feel like that's a waste of energy uh i'm not into demos i don't do demos uh i want all that energy focused on the actual recording uh so write the songs we go record them boom that's what you get well you know you are in the minority um i've never heard that before and i think that comes with experience confidence and like you to me are i don't mean to like you know throw sunshine up your ass but it's like you're like you're kind of like a quadruple threat i mean you can you got the chops you got the voice you can produce and you look like a million bucks on stage so oh, dude. I, I i you're being too nice man no i'm no i'm i'm being serious man i've been <laughs> i got into striper uh when to hell with the devil came out and even before that soldiers leading up to to hell and um so, you know, I, I like I said, I kind of lost track, but getting back with you guys now, I'm like, they didn't actually lose anything. There's like, you know, there's so many bands that now bands never break up. And sometimes you, you kind of wish that they did because I know. they're, they're I know. destroying their legacy. But I in, know. the reason why I'm, I've had you on, I reached out to get you on the podcast is because you you are building your legacy. You are building another legacy on top of what is already established. Um, and when I hear you say that that's how you make albums, there's nobody who does that. 
Well, it's just it's just the way that I've been in this mindset for the past 10 years. And so we have made all the albums, the Sweet and Lynch albums, the mm-hmm. solo albums, the Stripe albums. And it's like a two-week process of writing and then go do it. And it's just it's just some something that I'm comfortable with. And 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 thank God, you know, the ideas are still coming. Then yeah. if the well was drying up, I wouldn't do it that way. Right. Obviously, I'd have to take take more time and write more songs and really try to get things to where they need to be. But I'm not at that point yet, and I'm, I'm very blessed for that. I'm happy about it. Um, but, man, you know, it's just, it, again, it comes from a passion and a love. I, I just love what I do. If I could make three or four albums a year, I would. Uh, I still love writing and recording, and some bands burn out on that. Or they don't see the need for it because they're not making the money they used to, or it's not worth it, or this or that. It's like it's always worth it to me because it's always about the song and the love of it. Yeah, I could I could see that with you knowing that you are behind the production of the Striper songs. Uh, I could see how you're kind of like a studio rat, right? I mean, oh yeah, yeah, that yeah. Would... I love I love the studio. I mean, I love touring too, but I love the studio. I'm a tweaker. You know, I'm always wanting to try different things and new things and uh, love being there for the whole process, for the mix, for everything. Very involved, uh, produced, uh, you know, the three albums we just talked about, mm-hmm. the solo stuff. And I just I I love the studio, man. I've been in this been in the studio my whole life. People don't really view me as a producer and that's fine because I'm a, I'm a band member. Uh, but, you know, I'm a producer and um, I've been doing it my whole life. Well, those, I mean, those, those albums that we've been talking about, the Striper albums, I mean, they're, they're very well produced. Uh, uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, well, it's, it's a Striper thing. I mean, again, it's, it comes down to apples and oranges. I mean, if, you know, they're great sounding albums, but I mean, if you don't like the guitar tone or you like a different tone or whatever, you're going to love it for what it is or, or not like it for what it is. Mm-hmm. But we're really pleased with how they're sounding, how they're turning out. We got a process. We go to a place called uh, Spirit House in Northampton, Mass. We have one of the best engineers on the planet, Danny, Danny Bernini. He used to work right. at uh, 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 the Hit Factory right, in New York right. City. And he's he's the real deal, man. And we go in and we just crank them out. And we're getting better as we go. And next album, we're going to try to top the last. And that's always the goal, man. And and then I got my new solo album coming out, and yeah, we did we did that there too, and it sounds killer. I can't wait for everyone to hear it. And this is going to be your tenth solo album, right? That's tenth solo ten, album, right. and then the song Ten is based on the Ten Commandments, right? And okay. uh, I've got a different player on every song. You know, uh, gosh, uh, Jeff Loomis, Andy oh James, Gus God. G, uh, Marzi Montazari. Um, <laughs> Oh my gosh, Howie Simon, uh, uh, gosh, Mike Kerr, uh, Ethan Broche, Joel Holkstra. I mean, it, it, it's just—it's an insane guitar fest. <laughs> and then I've got <laughs> Todd Latore on a track as well. Oh wow! Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, he's singing on a song called "Son of Man." We do like a duet on that, and Andy James is playing guitar on that. And it's just a. Dude, it, it sounds so good. I can't wait for people to hear this album, man. Am I am I incorrect in in thinking that Todd Latour can actually also track drums? Todd is an amazing drummer. And the way I know that is he learned and played all the Striper songs. When I first met him, he was air guitaring every note to three or four Striper songs from the Yellow and Black Attack. Okay, I'll and do he, I'll do that for you next time when we when we finally meet. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and he came up on stage and played Soldiers with us live on Monsters of Rock Cruise. Amazing. He was the drummer. Oh, amazing. Yeah. And, and he can sing. And, and he's playing drums on the new Queen's Reich album. And he's a phenomenal talent, man. A killer drummer, a killer singer. And uh, I've got him on a vocal on this song, Son of Man. And it's really cool because it's almost like a, a little Rob Halfordish the way I'm doing it and a little more Dickinson the way he's doing it. And it, it's got this really cool vibe to it, man. And is Tracy Guns also on this one? Tracy Guns is on, on a song called Ricochet. And uh, Tracy was so kind to, to perform a solo. And he killed it. It's a more of a throwback 70s kind of thing. Really cool. And then I'm singing uh, on Tracy's new album, a new project called Sunbomb. Oh, wow. 
I'm going to be singing that when I get home. Wow. And get over this this cough so I don't sound like uh, Kermit the Frog, you know? <laughs> right. And and uh, I got to ask, since we're talking about, you know, collaborations, is uh, how did the Sweet and Lynch, your, the George Lynch uh, collab project, how did that even come about? And is there another one around the corner? Serafino, who owns uh, Frontiers. Right. Frontiers yeah. in Italy. He reached out to me, and uh, you know, Striper obviously is with Frontiers, and, and Serafino's asked me many times to produce many projects. It hasn't worked out either schedule-wise or financially or whatever, but Sweet and Lynch was one that he asked me to be a part of, and uh, I said, well, you know, let me put the band together and produce it, and let's do it. And he said, absolutely. And he had uh, it mentioned John Levin, and I doing like a dock and not knockoff. Okay kind of thing and i just figured well why not get why not get the original yeah get get the real deal george and i reached out to george george said i'm in uh called james lomenzo brian tishy they said they were in that was it it was like so easy uh george sent me music ideas i uh, pieced it all together and, and kind of arranged everything and added what wasn't there wrote a few more songs for the album that weren't there and then we went in and tracked it did it ever tour did you guys take it out on the road we never did we talked about it and i would have loved to have seen that happen but george uh, had other things and he wanted to rehearse and didn't want to do fly dates and stuff so it never happened but i think that's something people would love <laughs> and i think it would do very well and you know I think that's part of the reason why we're not doing more at the moment. Uh, we both got a lot of stuff going on, and mm-hmm. you know, there's got to be some sort of a push behind it, and <laughs> to some degree. Right, right. Um, well, I, I I wanted to also touch on um, not a I, well. I, I'm sure a lot of people know, but in the world of heavy, heavy music. How many people know that you were in Boston for <laughs> four years? Uh, I didn't know. Honestly, I didn't know myself. It, Boston isn't a band that I, I, I listen to on a regular basis. But yep. having found that out, how did that even happen? Well, I mean, you know, the thing is with Boston, this is my opinion, but I mean, they're a legendary band, one of the all-time classic rock bands. And, you know, they're known for those first two albums. Mm-hmm. For the most part, mm-hmm. maybe three first three albums. That those are the ones that really just broke records and put them on the map. But the thing about Boston, again, my opinion, is they're not one of those bands where if you see them on the street, you might not recognize them. Right. Yeah. They're not really a face band. They're more of a song band. Right. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of members have come and gone in Boston. Right. And people people don't know it. I, I'm a Boston fan. I never knew it. Yeah. I didn't know who was in Boston. So then I joined Boston uh, because tragically, on the heels of Brad Delp's uh, death, mm-hmm. uh, we were going to go do what was going to be their last show. And they asked me to come sing with Mickey Thomas and Ann Wilson and Sammy Hagar and all these people. And I wound up going and singing. And they loved it so much, they asked me to join the band and they said they wanted to continue on with me. And we did. The next year, we went out and did a 56-city tour with Sticks opening. And I was a co-singer with Tommy DiCarlo. And man, I had, I had the time of my life. It was a very difficult time. My wife was sick at home with, with cancer. And it was, a, it was a, a tough decision to make. And she really pushed me to do it. Uh, I didn't know how I was going to do it, uh, being her caretaker and everything. But we did. And it was an amazing tour. And there was a lot of healing that took place. And uh, I left three years after that and just wanted to focus on Striper. Right. I mean, I, <laughs> I get it. It's a, it's a situation now where some of the new singers to these classic bands, like I got to think of the most obvious one is Arnell Panella from Journey. Yes. Yeah. And, and our hometown guy, Larry Gowan from Styx. Uh, being from Toronto myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love Larry, by, by the way. He's awesome. Amazing. These are like world class singers, and and you being uh, embraced by Boston, and I I would have to assume on the same kind of circuit. Um, 
is is I think it's a great distinction for you as a singer and it gives you uh legitimacy in uh circles outside of like heavy metal. Well, it it, it was a really nice uh you know dot on yeah. my connect the dot uh, wall right. to con- connect that dot and say, wow, okay. Uh, even though it's a, a bleep on the radar, four years of my life, you know, and I did one tour with them, uh, it was still a huge bleep. And, and I felt like, wow, Boston's a, so influential. And here I am playing, standing next to Tom Scholz every night and up here playing these songs and hearing the people sing along. Incredible. So <laughs> to have been a part of that was such an honor. And I, it, it does show a different side of me. If you go and look at some of those videos, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not the metal, I'm not the striper yelling and screaming and more metal mic. You know, I'm, I'm a little more classic rock, a little more laid back. And uh, it, it definitely shows a different side. Well, that's the thing is uh, <laughs> whether, you know, here in Canada, Larry Gowan was like a huge rock star before he joined Styx. Yeah. And so knowing Larry Gowan is in Sticks, to me, it just makes sense. Like, oh, they got a name person to join Sticks, and that makes sense. And hearing that you were in Boston, I get it. That's all part of that whole scene. Um, I think Arnell Pinello was a different situation where he was a virtual unknown. But I think how Larry Gowan has been able to ease into the Sticks uh, slot as singer, you, you could have easily kept going now was it just because of striper that you decided to leave you know there were a number of reasons why i wound up parting ways i mean the first and most important reason was i did feel like it was kind of taken away from what i needed to be doing with striper i felt like i needed to really put my focus on striper and rebuild that and do these the things that we've done with the last three albums for example and in order to do that i needed to really give 100 percent. right so that was reason number one reason number two was i just felt like i was there for a season you know i was supposed to be there to kind of i felt help tom through his hardships Mm -hmm. of losing brad and and they helped me through my hardships you know of, of losing my wife and um i think it was a season to heal and, and that healing took place. And then we all kind of went our separate ways. And uh, will I ever be back with Boston? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I doubt it. But, you you know, never say never. Who knows? Uh, and I, I had a great time playing those songs, man. It was such, such a cool moment in my life. Oh, that's uh, yeah. I, when I found that, I mean, it's been it's been a game of catch up for me and catching up to what you've been doing and what Striper have been doing. And when I found that out, I was uh, wow. I was like, wow, that's that's so great for for Michael Sweet and for Striper, too. I mean, that. Gives, yeah. Yeah. I'm de- it really it really was special. And, uh, you know, the thing that I really got out of that was every night seemed like a celebration of Brad. Right. And going out on that stage and, and witnessing that and feeling that was just incredible right i mean powerful uh and i never met brad but i heard nothing but incredible things about him Mm -hmm. and i I wish i had met yeah i really do yeah um there's a couple of things i don't want to keep you uh too long but uh there's been talk about this a striper documentary now how far are you in on this (laughs) you know what man we're not we're not as far as we'd like to be uh, we've been filming little bits and pieces here and there, but we haven't gotten into the meat and potatoes of it, which we're going to do over the next two years. We're gonna, uh, we've got to hook up with some different people, align everything up, schedule it out, put it on the calendar, and just start doing it. And we want to make this one real special, not just a rockumentary about us and the history of the band, which w- will be interesting in and of itself, but we also want to make it about the fans and the people whose lives have been changed, altered, affected by the band. Right. And that's from, you know, the guy down the street at the gas station to, you know, Chris Jericho, to a pastor who pastors a 100,000-member church. Right. You know, and we want to really talk to some of these people and get their story. And there, we just met a guy the other night. 
he was a hardcore Satanist. He was telling us his, his story. And, man, it was, it was deep stuff. It was crazy stuff. And he wound up becoming a Christian guy, walking away from that life. And he's a pastor today. And, and that's due to Striper. And it's like you hear those stories and you think, my gosh, you know. And that's what we want the world to see and to hear. And, and we're going to make that happen. Well, I'm excited about it. I think uh, the world has yet to see a Striper doc. I mean, uh, a lot of the uh, other bands from from that era have, I mean, of course, the Dirt, Motley Crue's Netflix movie. Right. Um, I think you guys... Which I haven't seen. I haven't seen yet. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. I loved it. I mean, I know okay. a lot of people didn't like it, but I'm a huge Crue fan, so... Yep. <laughs> If you, you, you dramatize their book, uh, I, I'm going to love it either way. Okay. Uh, but I, I well, love it. Sure one of these days I'll see it. I just haven't yet. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And I know that you guys, I mean, it was a definite classic tale that never happened. But the Heaven and Hell Motley Crue Striper Tour, it, it should have happened. We talked about it with Crue. We talked about it with Wasp. I talked about it with a number of bands over the years, and it just never happened. It's it's always a little difficult for Striper to find their place uh, because of who we are. You know, we're not accepted by either side. Uh, we don't fit in any any clubs or any groups, the Christian side or the mainstream side. Well, uh, that, so it's, yeah. it just makes it difficult for us to get on package tours like that and whatnot because i think people just assume oh it's that christian band we're a rock band you know we go yeah. out there and we rock like anybody else and yeah put on a rock show yeah and I, I i feel rock and roll music is um attracts outsiders and yeah. you guys positioned yourself from the get-go as the outs the ultimate outsider oh, yeah. band and so i always that's kind of one of the reasons why i always gave i gave you a chance initially because i was like very impressed that you guys would lead with how you presented yourselves. And then I was pleasantly surprised with the music. I loved it. Well, man, hey, you know, it, it's funny because we, we, we've we gotten, every band gets beat up, let's face it. Yeah. Uh, but we've gotten extra beat up over the years because of who we are, and that's fine. But I always, you know, we're, we're a band that uh, has basically rebelled mm -hmm. against the establishment. You know, metal, everyone says, is about rebellion, right? Yeah. And that's what that's what I always hear from everyone. Oh, yeah, we're, we're rebels. We rebelled, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it, it was what's funny is we rebelled against that, you know. So we kind of started our own little thing and we were swimming with everyone along the shore and with the tide. And we just said, you know what, let's go the other way. And, and we did. And we've taken a lot of flack for it, but it hasn't stopped us from doing what we're here to do. Well, I think you guys, uh, you know, existing proves how like conservative and and just uh how stuffy uh heavy metal can and sometimes is like i know really is like it's very I stuffy know, so uh that's the existence of striper for me and I, that's why i liked it because i'm i am a contrarian in that sense like i don't want to follow the crowd and that's why i loved heavy metal but then when everybody's yeah. doing the same thing and you guys are doing the opposite i i definitely like the opposite so i well I, it's I, just I it's a it. weird it's a weird thing with metal where it's got this this stamp on it that doesn't necessarily always need to be there where people automatically assume it has to be they assume it has to be dark and about Satan and about this and that otherwise it can't be metal and you know if you bring in God to the uh, to the uh, you know recipe it, it's less metal and I just I always get a laugh out of that, man. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard, because if you believe in the devil, and you believe in God, then obviously, you know, that God created the devil and God's almighty and he rules high above the devil. So it's like, of course, he would have everything to do with metal. And for me, being a music fan and of course, you know, I was a heavy metal kid. Yeah. Um, I my whole point is I just want to hear the good music as much good yes. music before I die, and of course. and I don't care how it's packaged. If you guys want to, you know, be a, a, a Christian band, is you are, do, are you guys do you rock? <laughs> if you rock, <laughs> I want to hear it, and so that's basically how I've I've you know listened exactly, man. We're we're a rock band comprised of Christians. That's how I always put it. Yeah, uh, who have sadly gotten labeled a Christian band, right? 
Right. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, it does to me. I mean, I'm not in that world. I'm just a rock guy. Yeah. In a rock yeah. band, you know? Yeah. And I just Exactly. You know, the reason why I am in a rock band for a living is because I liked it so much. I bet everything on rock and that's what I'm doing. Yep, exactly. <laughs> You're doing what you love to do it and that's what makes it real and everyone's going to know that and feel that. So you're doing it right. Yeah, that's that's it. And and uh, I I just wanted to get you on my podcast to talk about these last three albums. I mean, we can go on about to Hell with the Devil, but I think you've you've said enough about it over the years. Well, you know, look, we can't go back in a time machine and and prove the point. Yeah. But if we could, I guarantee you that these last three Striper albums would have been as big or bigger mm-hmm. than Soldiers Under Command, To Hell With The Devil, and In God We Trust. Easily. And that is what, that's what you tweeted somewhere. You yeah. Instagrammed it. And that's, you. if you got anyone to, to, to you know, look, uh, try it. I did it. I went well, back. I listened to those three albums. And you're right. It's, I'm telling you, it's, and it's not a pride thing. It's not an ego thing. It's just a fact. They are right up there with those albums. And I think they get kind of uh, sneered at by some people sometimes. Like, oh, it's nothing like the past. And it's like, well, yes, it is. Uh, but you're just not listening maybe with an open mind. But it re- they really are. They hold their own. They do. The melodies are there. The high, really high, high vocals, high octave yeah. vocals are there. Uh, yeah, it's, man. It's great. I love it, man. It, 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 you, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry I'm late to the game. Dude, but hey, I'm, I'm back just glad in. you came to the game again. And <laughs> we're going to make more albums. We'll make at least three more, maybe maybe <laughs> ten more. We got a lot more left in us. And uh, we're going to keep trying to improve them. And I still believe, this is the way I think, that our best album is yet to come. So our album, we're going to make an album where everybody's going to say, oh my gosh, that's better than anything they've ever done. It's going to happen. I will, I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that. I'm not <laughs> doubting, I'm waiting. Um, I, one last question. Uh, just, a, just a quick one. Um, is there going to be a Striper Expo ever again? You know, there very well could be. We have talked about it. And I think it could be a good time to do that because uh, it's been such a long time. Kind of reopen that, uh, investigate that again, and see if there's a desire or a need for it. And if so, we'll do it. And, where, uh, and, where, and we'll where make they, it fun. Where do they happen? I, I, I don't even... One we had on the East Coast in New Jersey. Oh, okay. Per, or actually, yeah, Persephone. Okay. And then uh, the second one we had on the West Coast in uh the california uh, area i think in orange county california aha okay all right well and that was a while ago dude i'm talking 2003 or four was the last one. Oh, okay okay oh yeah well yeah i think you're overdue for another one those are cool We're overdue I, I didn't know they existed so that's great when i heard about it i think yeah it's that's probably around the time i kind of heard about it and it always stuck in my head like there's a striper expo it was crazy, and we had people there, vendors there with uh, merch and old collectibles and uh, music, it. live music and bands, and, and we performed, and we were doing interviews. It was crazy. It was really cool. Well, there isn't a Motley Crue Expo or a Rat Expo. <coughs> or a, That's great. I mean, it's, that's a, uh, an accomplishment for sure. It was pretty cool, man, and we had good turnouts, and I think if we did it again now, it'd be even better turnout right so it's something we should definitely start uh, talking about and getting out there right well if i am in the area i will definitely be there uh for sure i mean that's hey great. brother anytime you want to come see us anywhere just let me know oh thank and I'll, you. I'll take care of you personally okay I, you know if we're ever if our paths ever meet on the road I would uh, I, I, I would love to to meet you and say hi and get, oh yeah get we'll you go s- go have dinner or lunch or something and hang out for a little bit I'd love to I I would I would love for you to sign my records I'll bring them if I know we're playing with you and uh, it'd be great dude that would be amazing <laughs> and hey all the best to you man and congratulations on all the success oh thank Incredible. you very much thanks Michael yeah. thank you that's great I look forward to ten 
Me too, man. And, I, it's the hardest part is wait, waiting once it's done. And uh, I can't wait. The first song we're going to release probably in July. Where that's what we're shooting for. And uh, it's going to be a barn burner, man. We're going to have a killer uh, lyric slash animated video. Wayne Joyner, same guy that just did the Dream Theater stuff. Uh, he's killer. And I cannot wait for people to hear it. Oh, but I'll be there. I'll be one of them. Awesome, man. Well, Michael, thank you for this. I was like, honestly, really nervous to talk to you because <laughs> I'm a huge Striper fan from back in the day and now a Striper fan current day. Hey, so, buddy. Look, at I, I'm honored and God bless you. And I'm so happy you're a fan again. And, you know, just keep listening and anything I can do for you too, just let me know. Okay. Oh, thank you, Michael. Thank you, man. Oh, it's great. I, <laughs> I'm so happy. This made my day. Dude, okay, you, you have a great rest of the day, and thank you for your time, and God bless you. And and uh, feel better, and you know, you know honey, and... Uh, I know, bro. I'm going to go do something, some throat coat right now, and <laughs> the key is I'm going to try to take a nap. I, I got to watch Game of Thrones first, and then I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I only watched season one, so I don't... I, I won't, there's oh, no man. spoilers here. <laughs> All right. Okay, hey, buddy, man. look at God bless you. Take care. Thanks again. Can't wait to see it. And uh, we'll talk soon, okay? Talk soon. I'll see you out there. Okay. Bye bye, man. Bye bye. <laughs>